You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. In the Good Job Brain system, the people are represented by two separate yet equally important groups, the quizzers who pose questions and the brave men and women who answer them. These are their stories. Perky Podcast Pals, welcome to Good Job Brain, your weekly quiz show and offbeat trivia podcast. This is episode 93, and I'm your humble host, Karen, and we are your sassy suspects sussing out science and suspense. I'm Colin. I'm Dana. And and I'm Chris. (laughs) So today is our best of 2013 show celebrating, featuring, and highlighting the best, the weirdest, the silliest, the funniest and the grossest moments from Good Job Brain. It's a clip show! Yay! Yay. Like real television. We are just uh, four pub trivia and trivia nerds who are nuts about weird facts, secret histories, and we're so glad we get to share our passion with the world. And before we start the show, I want to quickly thank our listeners and fans for all of your support and feedback. It's really touching when you guys write us. Yeah. And, and and tweet us and, and Facebook post us. Absolutely. Uh, thank you guys for all of your support and, and welcoming us every week into your ears, into your <laughs> ear holes. Right on in there. Yeah. <laughs> We're just a little independent hobby podcast. So uh, you guys keep us going and we appreciate it a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. Colin's nodding emphatically at the microphone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Colin, they can't, they can't see, see you nodding. <laughs> so today's show is all about celebrating the greatest 2013 moments. And uh, we had got 40 plus episodes, more than 400 different segments, ranging from quizzes, silly to challenging, to mind-blowing facts. We've enlisted the help of our listeners on Facebook and Twitter to help us curate some of our coolest moments this past year. So if you're a Good Job Brain listener, we invite you to travel back in time and laugh with us and laugh at us. And uh, (laughs) if you're a new listener, uh, welcome, and you are sure in for a surprise. (laughs) (laughs) So what kind of trivia podcast will we be without quizzes? Yeah! Fun, weird, (laughs) bad bad one. You're right. That was a question and you got it right. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) But you did not buzz in. Bad. Bad. That's my favorite part of this podcast is making quizzes for you guys and answering the quizzes that you all make for for me, for us. (laughs) And here are some of our memorable quizzes. Okay. I have a... Kind of a short quiz for you guys about processed foods. A uh, favorite uh, kind. Yeah. <laughs> As I was writing it, I was like, oh, these are things I would put in the bunker in the 50s, maybe, or something oh, yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. We'll start out with the, with the king of processed food, Spam. Mm. Yeah. The original name for Spam was what? Oh. Karen. Isn't is it not spiced ham? Yes. Hormel spiced ham. Oh, yeah. oh okay. And, oh, yeah. I, mean, I knew it was... And it was renamed to Spam, and the guy who suggested Spam combined Spiced and Ham. What's the official reason Hormel gave for naming it Spam? What does that Spam stand for? So it fits on the tin. <laughs> no, oh, no, did no. they, did what, they what, say what, it they, stands for something? Something that's not Spiced Ham. They oh. named it something else. Like S-P-A-S. Yes. Super, super processed ass meat. <laughs> <laughs> no, the last, you almost had it. Oh, <laughs> almost. I mean, what a shoulder. Processed well, kind of pork. Almost. 
Shoulder pork and ham. Mm, okay. oh, oh, shoulder, shoulder pork, pork and okay. ham. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't stand for that. Yeah. It would be spa. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Who suggested ass meat on the survey? <laughs> Why did we wrote it in such a large? Font. How much did we pay for this survey? <laughs> All right, Tang, the orange flavored drink powder. Was Tang invented in the forties, fifties, or sixties? Oh, Colin, I will say sixties because I know it's associated with the space program. I thought uh, it was made for the astronauts. I... No, that no? is not true. Mm. I thought <gasps> so too. Lie. Emitted in 1957, and it was marketed in 1959, so oh. like right there. But it was popularized by the astronauts. Uh. Which astronaut is most oh, closely associated with, oh, with Tang? Tang? Yes. Huh. Neil Armstrong. Nope. Another one. Louis Armstrong. <laughs> no. <laughs> nope. Virgil Gus Grissom. Nope. Is that close? actual? No. Is that close? <laughs> yeah, it, it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, John Glenn. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. John Glenn. Right, so. right. But Tang was developed just because it's a low-cost orange drink, right? It wasn't yeah. developed for the space. Oh, it was not okay. developed for, but it's... It's not like astronaut ice cream or something. It's not astronaut juice. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was... yeah, That's something yeah. else entirely. Yeah. <laughs> it contains very little astronaut. Yeah. These you, days. you don't have to squeeze too many astronauts. <laughs> yeah. The cost... Yeah. I mean, yeah. in the it's... 50s, they didn't have astronauts. <laughs> yeah. There's no juice in Tang. There's no juice. Oh, I don't think so. It's powdered. It's like a powder. They, they might perhaps use is a juice flavor. Yeah. Natural flavors. <laughs> yeah. But it is powder. Yeah. There may be beaver secretions. Oh, there yeah. oh, there yeah. might be. Oh, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Various yeah. other secretions. Okay, Ovaltine. Uh-huh. Oh, it's the best. It originated in what European country? Oh. Switzerland. Yes. Oh. Yes. Hey. Huh. I, I have a fate. I don't know if this is right, uh-huh. but my association is... Nestle made Ovaltine, and Nestle is a Swiss company. Yeah, okay. I don't think Sorry, I got it yeah. right for the wrong reason. Okay. We can find out really fast. Yeah, yeah. Wait, don't look. I'll look. Okay. Because I have more. <laughs> There's more. There's more Ovaltine. More Ovaltine. When... Don't look up facts about Ovaltine or else it's <laughs> Whoa, it's made from blood. <laughs> Yo, I can see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Irony. No, Ovaltine is a registered trademark of Associated British Foods. Nestle acquired the rights later. Oh, yeah. okay. So they're connected. Right for the wrong reason. Yeah, That's fine. Sure. Yeah, I'm sure. still right. <laughs> Ovaltine. <laughs> its original name was Oval Maltine, a combo of two of its main ingredients. What were they? Oh. Uh, eggs, I'm guessing. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, and, like ovos. Malted milk. Yes. Wow. There's eggs in yes. there? <gasps> they were like, oh, it's a breakfast, a food replacement uh, or a meal yeah, replacement yeah. kind of I drink. I always wonder. I just thought oval. It- huh. Yeah, uh, Oval. Latin for egg, yeah. Ugh, it's kind of no. weird now. Whatever, man. I'm still going to drink it. It's, it's still tasty. <laughs> it's yeah. Yeah. Uh, in the 1930s and 40s, two famous U.S. children's radio shows were sponsored by Old <laughs> One was Captain Midnight. The uh, other was what? Little Orphan Annie. Yes. Oh, yes. Oh. That's the decoder ring thing. It, from, and, from a Christmas story, yep. Yeah. And then do you know what their code usually ended up being? Be sure to drink your Ovaltine. If you rearrange the letters in Ovaltine, it also spells Vital One. Vital One. <laughs> yeah. It's like All right. some conspiracy theory. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <That's> yeah. Right. <laughs> no, they used it in their ads. Kids are like, what? Mom, I think I'm the Vital One. <laughs> <laughs> I need some Ovaltine now. Yeah. Other anagrams of Ovaltine. <laughs> okay. Oh. A violent, oh. sure. so that's not alive, 
Funny, they didn't uh, focus on that one. Because <laughs> <laughs> Vital One and Not Alive are uh, antonyms. Yeah. yeah. Close it out with a delicious, delicious product that has a lot of preservatives in it. All right, we've done... Tang, we've done Ovaltine, we've oh. done Spam. What could what could be the last processed food? The last one is Cheese Whiz. Cheese Whiz! Oh. The quintessential yeah. processed oh, yeah. food. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Spray cheese. Yep, you're right. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're right. Man. Well, Cheese well, Whiz is the, the jarred yeah. stuff. You're thinking Easy Squeeze. Oh. Or Easy, easy cheese. cheese. They also had Squeeze Cheese. Squeeze Cheese. <laughs> which is related. Yeah. Wait, so what? Cheese not- is a very rhymable word. Yeah, believe it or not. Yeah. yeah. So Cheese Whiz originated in 1952. And it's a you know it's a delicious cheese product. It's, it's, a, it's described as a cheese product. It yes. certainly is the color of cheese. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah, it's a cheese sauce, right? It's yeah. like a liquid cheese. Yep, a liquid cheese. So besides being a food product, mm-hmm. you could also use it <laughs> for- to disinfect wounds, <laughs> to grease the skids on your yacht, <laughs> for other purposes. Should, should I have you guess, or should I just tell you? Wow. I um, can't. I, go for it. Personal lubricant. You know what? Probably. It's not on this list, but... Condition leather. Antifreeze. No, I wouldn't put that in the car. I probably wouldn't. I think that would be a mistake. Floor wax. Preventing corrosion on tools. You know what? Maybe. So... Mm-hmm. A stain remover. You can remove grease stains from and wash clothes as usual with Cheese Whiz. What? what? Okay. No. Okay. Yeah. All yes. right. A hair conditioner. You can rub it into your hair <laughs> <laughs> and leave it up for half an hour and then shampoo and rinse thoroughly. And it, it does something Maybe with your hair. Maybe she's born with it. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's cheese, but it's... <laughs> I'll never tell. <laughs> like, did, did we have Colin had that segment a couple of episodes ago? Oh yeah, a, a look, touch of yogurt and a look, yeah. a look of buttermilk yeah. shampoo. She's whiz. Maybe she's born with it. <laughs> Honey, you look fantastic. I you you want to get some nachos? Yeah, stand still. Just wait a moment. Yeah. And then finally, you can use cheese whiz if you run out of shaving cream. <laughs> 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 but why? Why were you putting shaving cream on your nachos in the first place? No, to shave. To shave. <laughs> 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 these are pro tips. These are pro tips. These are pro tips. Yeah, absolutely guarantee you that if you're using cheese whiz to shave, you are a single dude. You are a yes. single. Yeah. Dude. But you know what? At least you're shaving. Yeah, so. you're trying. Yep. Yeah, maybe you'll meet some lovely girl who conditions her hair with it, and you guys can mm-hmm. just really save on your on your grooming, grooming products. <laughs> just live it up. Yeah. It's one big jar. In the Why is there cheese yeah. whiz in your bathroom? Oh, it's a family size. Don't worry. About yeah. It. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Family size. Or whatever. Um, ow, my face hurts. <laughs> Uh, there you go. Uh, <laughs> All right, my turn, and I have a music round. Right. A little bit of a twist. So I was listening to uh, some Chinese pop music the other day, and uh, <laughs> was just kind of reliving, you know, my my childhood and teenage years. And then I was like, oh my god, this would be a great quiz segment. Mm-hmm. So. 
and I didn't know this growing up, but a lot of the the pop songs in Asia, they're they're songs in in Chinese, you know, Cantonese or Mandarin, but the song itself is actually a foreign language song, and they okay. did this a lot. Did they write new uh, words to the melody? Yeah, they would just write in in the native language, mm. and then an existing song. But the thing is, I didn't know that, so it wasn't until I moved here I'd be like. Oh, <laughs> and you would hear the original. I would hear the original English version and be like, "I had no idea that growing up, this other song was a f- cover version." Okay. So my music round is. <laughs> I like it already. Is um, how do I describe it? It is international foreign language covers. I love it. Of. Mm-hmm. English language cool. songs. All right. But the difference is um, it's not just you know someone covering some other song. This is released as a whole different title and it released as a whole different single. Right. Mm-hmm. But the melody and, and parts of the song is So it's not released her. as like, oh, the localized version of such and such song. Yeah. It's just you would ne- you have no idea of the connection. Yeah. Right. Unless you look at like the songwriting credits or All something. Right. Yes. All right. All right. Okay. So I'm gonna play clips of these foreign <laughs> language songs and, and before I'll tell you what language and maybe the title of the song, even though that doesn't really help. And um, <laughs> okay. listen to see if you can uh, identify the English language song and identify the artist, the original artist of the song. All, All right. right. How's that? All right. All right. Good? Cool. All right. Yeah, it's a little complicated, but... No, but, no it sounds fun. Okay. Let's do it. And uh, for the first one, I'm going to play the song that I, I was actually listening to that, that inspired me <laughs> okay. to make this quiz. What is it? Is is the song? Is it uh, silent all these years? Yes, yes. Colin. Yes, silent all these years. Who sings silent all these years? Big oh, big hit. Oh, that. Oh, who was silent all these years? Who was that? It wasn't Suzanne Vega. Was it no. Kate Bush? Was it oh, later? Uh, later? Who was it? Was it Sarah McLaughlin? Tori Amos. Oh, yes, yes, yes. 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 Uh, of course. <laughs> I was like, I know this song, but her singing is messing it up. I can't hear what it is. Well, no, yeah. and number of times I've heard the Chinese cover of Silent All These Years, one. Number of times I've heard actual Silent All These Years, zero. zero. Oh, okay. Really? So that was uh, Fei Wong, very, very famous oh, uh, Asian okay. superstar, and, and the title of the song is Cold War, hmm. um, but based on okay. Silent All These Years. That's great. All right. Next one. This is sung in Greek by, oh God, okay, pardon my pronunciation, Alkistis Protostalti. Okay, which is a, Yeah, not bad. A Greek pop star. I don't and, speak uh, Greek or whatever. No way of legit. judging that. <laughs> to me, yeah. And the song title is All That I Fear. Okay. In all translated from Greek. Is it Nickelback? Yes! Okay. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Your face. (laughs) What Uh, song? I could sing probably the chorus, but I don't. 
I've been down, I've been down to this the bottom is of the. How you remind that's it. Yeah, oh, yeah. Right, how you right. remind me. Yeah. Wow, I think their, that's their great. first big, uh, first big yeah. hit for for Nickelback. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Good job. That's great. This is one that is not a direct cover, uh, but you can tell by the song is there, but the melody is a little bit different. Hmm. And this is Japanese. This hmm. is from Japan. Hmm. By Dragon Ash, and the title is Grateful Days. Okay. Here's the song. See if you can recognize the what's being sampled. All right. Okay. Dana. Smashing Pumpkins. Yes. Today. Yes. Yeah. Today. Day by Smashing yeah. Pumpkins. Good, that good little loop. Yeah, the yeah. little yeah. car intro. Great. Awesome song. I love this this Japanese rap version. All right, oh. here's an oldie, and this is by Adriano Celentano in Italian. Italian translation of the title is I Will Pray. Hmm. <laughs> Colin. That is uh, Stand By Me. Correct. By Ben E. King. Yes. Whoa. I For the longest time, I thought it was Ben E. King, like mm-hmm. ben, yeah. Benny Hill. Mm-hmm. It's Ben E. e. King. King. Very good. All right, another Asian language one. This is by Big Bang from Korea. Also another hip-hop kind of rap thing. See if you can identify the background song. Okay. Of course, Dana. Of course. <laughs> this Love by Maroon 5. Correct. Uh, I knew it like two, two chords da, in. I, was like, I can da, name da, da, that foreign yeah. song in two notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, so this last one is a little bit of a, of a twist. So there is a big hit in America, in mm-hmm. all, in in. English language countries, I'd say, in 1994. And this is an R&B song. It was really popular. And this song was actually based on a foreign language song. Mm. So so it's kind of reverse. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, what I'm going to do is play the original foreign language song and okay. see if you can identify the 1994 song and the artist. Okay. That was a cover. Okay. That was an English language cover. And the original version is Japanese. Okay. So the song itself is called Sukiyaki. Correct. Yeah. yeah. What else do you want to know about it? What artist or what group sang that song in 1994 that made a very big hit? Oh, right. It was actually covered a couple times. It yeah. was covered in 1980s. Yeah, because it was, it was from the 60s or 70s. 
Yeah. Who was that? Was that like Jodeci or somebody yeah, like, like that? All for one. Mm. No. Who was it? 4 p.m. Mm. 4 oh. p.m. sang the song, and let me play a little clip oh, of okay. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You that song has a really weird history. It became popular in the U.S. Yes. with the title Sukiyaki, huh. which has nothing to do with the original no, lyrics. Yeah, no, yeah. no way. Covered in 1981, mm-hmm. um, and they just called it Sukiyaki because it's like, well, that's a Japanese term. Right, Japanese. right. Yeah, that's basically it. Yep. <laughs> Very good job. Very so, enlightening. International music round. Very neat. Long-time listeners to Good Job Brain might remember a segment that we did a few episodes uh, back called Did Chris Get It Right? In which I asked <laughs> my fiancé to uh, ask me some questions that things that girls would immediately know but that boys may not know. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask Colin questions that Regina and some of her friends asked me. We'll see if you can figure it out, but then you guys all have to guess uh, as to whether or not I was able to get it when the question was posed. And to these me. are girly questions. These are girly. Okay. These are girly questions. Cover the spectrum <laughs> from from makeup to clothing to television shows to to all books right. to things to middle school things actually. Okay. Um, and so yeah, we went it, it went all over the place this time. We'll we'll get this one started off. So um, what was the name, Colin, of Sabrina the Teenage Witch's cat? Oh man. Oh. Oh, gosh. No, yes, it's it, supposed to be easy for, for you, Kat. It was something like Dexter or Felix or <laughs> Dexter Magic or something. Oh, you're, you're I, close. Close. I don't okay. remember. Karen? Salem. It was Salem. Oh, yes. of course. Something witchy related. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, did uh, I get this right? Uh, Sabrina the Teenage I Witch. Say it's a comic. Yeah. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say that you got it right. I yeah. did. I did yeah. know that one. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's a good question. That's a really good question. <laughs> and then just the most terrible cat puppet, right? Mm-hmm. It was yeah. just, I it was just awful. <laughs> what is uh, Raggedy Ann's boyfriend's name? Or, you know, Paramore or whatever. Uh, see, I, uh, I didn't know if they were related or not. <laughs> yeah. Oh, or brother. Well, I, thought I thought they were brother and sister. It's Raggedy Andy, right? Yes, yeah. yes, yes, it is. I always thought Raggedy Ann and Raggedy Andy were brother and sister. Oh, really? I thought. I thought they were like. You know, oh, oh together, a, an adulterous oh. couple living in sin. I don't know. Maybe. Oh my! Because oh. it's not like their last oh. names are the same; just They're, their first name, Raggedy. I know. Well, they are the last two of their kind. They oh, have to go forth it could be, like, yeah. Just to ensure the survival of yeah. the species. They're maybe, raggedy, maybe they're all of the above. We don't know. know. Let's yeah. not judge. Um, <laughs> dolls. <laughs> but did I know that? Yes. Yeah, yeah I, think I did know that. Yeah. It's pretty. Yeah, it's pretty good. What are kulots? Colin. Oh, culottes. Oh. They're like, they're not quite a skirt. They're not quite pants. They're not quite shorts. That's it's... the worst answer. <laughs> that is, yeah. that is true. Yeah, okay. that's what they are. Yeah. I thought they're like cut pants with wide legs that no. looks like. That is how it was explained to me was that they're, they're shorts. But they're they're very wide, wide in the legs, so Billowy. they look like sort of yeah. This, oh, so they yeah. sort of look like a skirt. Now, did I know that? Probably. Yeah, I'll it's say... been around for a while. Yeah, I'll say no. You're right. I didn't. I, uh. I mistook them for capris. I said, are they Uh-oh. the pants that go about three quarters down your leg? Okay. Uh, no. Yeah. Now, what are what are spanks? <laughs> spanks are. Uh, you watch Thirty Rocks. Yeah. <laughs> spanks are a uh, body shaping undergarment. Yeah. I yeah, think, that's what they are. I, I don't. You know. I don't think you knew. 
I think you did. I think he did. I did know what Spanx are. I said, yeah, you know, they squish your fat in. <laughs> I tried to put and it in a much more delicate which, term. Yeah, to which Regina said, they're called shapewear. <laughs> End of quiz. End of, like, <laughs> um, conversation. Yeah. So moving on. What is a cootie catcher? Oh. oh, see, oh, look at that. Catcher. Yeah. It's, it's the little, um, isn't the little thing you would do like we with your hands, like a Jacob's ladder kind of? No, no, it is okay. not. It's, no, it's not a cat's mm. cradle or anything like that. Okay. It, yeah, no. I, f- I mean, I feel like my sister, I know this, I, but yeah. uh, I feel like our two co hosts know what this is. Yeah. So, what is a cootie catcher? It's like a origami little piece of paper that's yes. folded up and oh, you can bend okay. it different it's ways. Fortune teller oh, okay. The fortune teller yeah. one, right? Yes. Okay. Back and forth, back and forth. That is what it is, one of its many names. Mm-hmm. Um, now, did I know that? Yeah, I would think so. I'll you went say... to elementary school in America. I'll say no. You're right, Colin. Maybe I did not know what really? that was. No, I mean, I knew that, you know, the origami fortune tellery thing that oh, the girls played with. I didn't yeah. know that they had a name oh, for it. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Also, uh, back in middle school, one of Regina's friends asked me, do you know what the pencil test is? Yeah. We'll, ask, we'll see if Colin knows what the pencil test is. What is the pencil? I do know what the pencil test is. What? Oh, this this is about bras, right? It is. Yeah. So the pencil test is, am I actually going to say what this is on the air? Yeah. yeah. The pencil test is you lift up your boob and you put a pencil <laughs> under it. And if the pencil falls to the ground, you don't need a bra. Right? Wasn't that, that what it is? That is what the pencil yeah. test what? is. <laughs> yeah. Americans are weird. <laughs> If the it pencil falls, falls, you don't need a problem. Right, right, because right, there's not enough food to, to overhang yeah. and, <laughs> and to necessitate containment. <laughs> Support, rather. Wow. Mm. <laughs> I don't think you knew this. I'll say yes. I'll say no. I had no idea. <laughs> What's the pencil test? Oh, my God. <laughs> Wow. You're in a little boy bubble. You just didn't yeah, know what right, was going yeah. on. You grew up with a brother, too. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. We didn't know. Uh, finally, what uh, boy band was Nick Lachey in? Oh, man, I always get these mixed up. It's, uh, he That's was, why it's difficult. He was in sync. No. 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 Right, yeah. All right. Backstreet Boys? No. no. You're crazy. Like a lower tier than those. Yeah. Oh. yeah. It's a number. Oh, oh yeah. 98. Was it 98 degrees? Yeah. That's okay. it. it was 98 right. degrees. I now, did I get that right? No. Yes. I'll say yes. I did. I got it right. Oh, wow. I didn't know. I sort of yeah. guessed. It was like 98 degrees. Because yeah. <laughs> I figured it wasn't one of the other, the big the, the yeah. big guns of, of boy bands. <laughs> Very so good. So I did, I did okay, I guess. I don't know. Opened my eyes in some of those things. I think wow. you acquitted guys pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> so do people want to ace? What, what's acing the pencil test? Is that when... I don't think it's, it's not like a pencil exam. It's more, it's more like a, like a litmus test. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah. Yes, that's that's good. I'm so excited uh, right. to uh-huh. share this segment with you guys. I've been hyping it up this whole morning. I don't Let's know if that means we should be nervous or yeah. not. I know. Maybe you're well, too I'm excited. nervous for you. I hope <laughs> it works. No. Okay. <laughs> so this quiz segment is called William Shakespeare Goes to a House Party. <sighs> Stay with me. Okay. Uh, imagine William Shakespeare. You invite him to a house party you're throwing. And, you know, at house parties, you play uh, dance hits, like popular songs. Sure. So basically what I have are clips of William Shakespeare or someone pretending to be William Shakespeare reciting famous party song lyrics 
but in Elizabethan Shakespearean English. (laughs) (laughs) And I need you guys to tell me exactly what line of lyric he's actually interpreting. Okay. Okay. All right. Here we go. Number one. Not any betrothed maidens. Not any betrothed maidens. Presently, uplift thine palms. And I can recite it to uh, yeah. by myself. No, I believe the line is, all the single ladies, put your hands up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now you guys know the flavor. Oh, excuse yeah. me. Yeah. All the single ladies, put your hands up. By Beyonce. I guess. Bard Beyonce. Beyonce Shakespeare. <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> Am I right, you guys? I had actually had a lot of alternate titles for naming the segment. I just went with William Shakespeare Goes to a House Party. But uh, another one was William Shakes His Rear. <laughs> and uh, Who Wants? to Barty. <laughs> no. Just, yeah. just terrible. <laughs> Get out. Get out your booty. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Number two. I will ne'er relinquish thee. I will ne'er causeth thee dismay. I will ne'er diverteth and forsaketh thee. Uh, Colin. I was never going to let you down. Never going to give you up. No, I'm sorry. It's never going to give you up. Oh, sorry. Never going to let you down. I'm terrible. Oh, never going to run around and desert desert you. you. By the estimable Sir Richard Astley. Is he sir? No. no. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Next one. Allow hoofs to be fancy free and wandering. Disrobe thine mules dawned on the Lord's day. Oh. The line is, I will read it. Allow hoofs to be fancy free and wandering. Disrobe thine mules dawned on the Lord's day. And mules is not the animal. Your shoes. Uh, your shoes off on your Sunday, Sunday shoes. Your Sunday shoes. Uh, get uh, footloose. Yeah. Oh, foot- put oh. on your Sunday oh. shoes. Take off your Sunday oh, shoes. Man. What's the first line though? Before this, just footloose. Oh, okay. All right. All right. I was trying to back <laughs> wow. into it after getting burned on the Rick Astley. Yeah. <laughs> Good job uh, by Kenny Loggins. Footloose. All right. Next one. Halt! Rally! Hark! The frosted knave hath returneth with modish forging. All right, stop. Collaborate and listen. Ice is back with a brand new invention? Yes. Oh, nice. Good God. Wow. Some part of my brain has hung on to that lyric. Good job. By uh, Vanilla Ice. Yes. Of course. Oh, rally. Park. <laughs> Last one. How? I bade you, what gamester hath emancipated mine hounds? What gamester? What gamester? What gamester? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Dana. Who Let the Dogs Out by Bahaman. Yes. (laughs) The line is, who let the dogs dogs out? out. Who? 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 <laughs> That's it. Thank you guys for participating. <laughs> Many thanks to William Fakespeare. <laughs> yeah.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Quizzes are good. Quizzes are good. I mean, maybe I don't like my ignorance being on display when I get the wrong answer. So, so maybe my favorite part of Good Job Brain is the segments when I get to actually prepare things and come in and actually know all of the answers to the things. You know, when we just bring in a whole bunch of bizarre facts, maybe grouped around a theme, maybe we're telling a story. Like that's, that's what I think that's what I, that's what I'm most thankful for. This is our Thanksgiving episode, right? Anyway, here's some of our most memorable segments and facts and all that kind of good stuff. So if I have one takeaway from that segment, it's don't drink mercury. <laughs> no, <laughs> definitely oh, not. I talked about it before. We have talked about it before. Yeah, but I mean, it's important enough to hit over and over yeah. again. <laughs> yeah, public service announcement. We've specifically talked about it before, Karen. We talked about uh, Emperor of China, Qin Shi Huang, yes. right? And he was uh, emperor from 259 to 210 BC. And he was, he was kind of a big deal. He was sort of the first emperor that really kind of unified all of China. And what's funny to me... Uh, about him is we've talked how he died before. So let's just cut to the end very quickly. He died by ingesting mercury as part of a way of finding an elixir of life. You know, mm-hmm. this was just an obsession of his was I, you know, I want to be immortal. I want to see my <laughs> my rule never end. The irony is that over the course of his rule, he survived a lot of assassination attempts and coups. And what brought him down was his own doctors and his own alchemists yep. and his own oh. uh, physicians. Irony. Irony. Mercury. Mercury. <laughs> I was reading a little bit more about his story about specifically the circumstances of his death. He was out away from court when he actually died. He was out and he took some mercury pills that his team of physicians had prepared for him, got gravely ill, and died in no short order. And Very anticlimactic. Oh, yeah. yeah. And they're like, oh crap, he died. Oops. So now what happened next was a weekend at Bernie's level of oh, no! farce to cover oh. up the dead emperor. So now, as I said, he had survived a lot of assassination attempts and, you know, he was a Unified, there were a lot of people who would have been seeking to take his place as soon as they found out that he was dead. So I mentioned they were on the road. They were away from the seat of power. So all of his advisors, you know, and his right-hand men, they didn't want word to get out that the emperor had died because they were afraid of what was going to happen to this power vacuum. So they continued their tour out in the countryside. So, you know, they're carrying the emperor in the little box, you know, with the servants. They would dress him up. 
in new clothes. Oh. They would prop him up so that you could sort of look through the window and oh, see that there was somebody no. in the carriage. But the, you, they wouldn't let you get too close. No. And no one could. I mean, nobody except yeah. the most trusted advisors, yeah. right? No because as they're traveling right. so through it wasn't, villages, it wasn't out of the ordinary. Right. That's true. Yeah. It's not like commoners in in a village are running up to the carriage. Yeah. Uh, High fiving. But so I mean, this was in the middle of summer. He died. <laughs> oh. They're traveling around, and oh, it started no. to smell really bad. Bet it did. Yeah. Really bad. So this is the solution they came up with as they're traveling around. Dryer they, sheets. They apparently, yeah, <laughs> they wrapped him in dryer sheets. No. They apparently, the account goes, they got a cart full of rotting fish. Two carts. Uh, two carts full of rotting fish. Yes. And had one cart ahead of the emperor's Genius. carriage, one Genius. cart behind the emperor's carriage to, yeah. uh, you know, do their best to mask the odor of decay. No, because if you, no, because then if you saw, you would see the carts of rotting fish. And you'd be like, oh, well, that's just the rotting fish. Yeah. But no one yeah. would question why Why is he sandwiched by two carts of rotting fish. <laughs> I mean, because he's the emperor, man. The emperor's yeah, whims. Yeah. Whatever his, he wants. brown M&Ms. They would bring meals up to his ca- up oh, to his carriage yeah. and, you know, take away plates and things like that. So that yep. even people in the in the retinue wouldn't necessarily catch on. <laughs> oh, they would God. They would stage fake meetings, yeah. you know, where the advisors would come up and pretend to be talking with him and, yeah. you know, go away afterward. This went on for Two months. What? That is so long. (laughs) Until they got back to a seat of power where they felt comfortable enough to kind of announce, okay, yes, the emperor died. Uh, I don't know if they said that it was their fault for giving him mercury or not. Uh, I don't think they can trace it back then. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you know, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, also, they didn't know it was harmful. They thought it was going to help him. They thought he died. And also, he's been ingesting mercury all this time, too. Like, it wasn't just those two pills made him die. During his reign, while he was alive, he would take a lot of mercury, and it just builds up. And I mean, it was. It was just totally magical and mystical, and I can believe it. I mean, it's metal. It's liquid at room temperature. Maybe I'll drink it and live forever. I, I think that's why we have to keep reiterating you're not supposed to drink it, because it's so pretty, and you want to put it in your mouth. Yeah, like, you want to. And, yeah. you know, if the emperor tells you he wants to drink it, you're going to let him drink it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I would like to tell you the story of a product that was actually quite successful, but had something happened to it, was it just a fatal blow hmm. that it never could have expected and could never recover from? Beginning in 1937 and going very strong until the early to mid-1980s, there was actually a certain dietary supplement. And what this thing was, it was a candy. Oh. Uh, yeah, basically you would eat the candy and it would act as an appetite suppressant. So you just have a piece of it before meals. And there was a drug inside of it that acted to suppress your appetite. It was quite popular. It worked. It was so popular that it had, like, many, many television commercials and and radio commercials for this product. And I'll, I'll play you one now. I've tried fad diets, powders, pills. Still, my weight's been up and down like a yo-yo. Until the AIDS plan taught me how to take off weight and help keep it off. AIDS may taste like a candy, but AIDS contains one of the most effective appetite suppressants you can buy. Let the AIDS plan teach you how to take off weight and help keep it off. Try peanut butter AIDS. Yeah. That's, yeah, uh, that's going to be a problem. Peanut butter. Yeah. Try peanut butter AIDS. <laughs> Try, <laughs> Try peanut butter AIDS. Um, oh. Yes, so the name of this wonder drug was AIDS. It was A-Y-D-S, as in it AIDS. You, you know, it can help you lose AIDS weight. AIDS, you losing weight. Yeah. So 
Um, what was in AIDS was, it was an, it was an oral anesthetic that you guys have maybe used uh, at some point in your life. It's called Benzocaine. It's the name oh, of the oral anesthetic. Oh, yeah. And it numbs your it's mouth. Like cough, um, cough spray. It, yeah. Like yeah that, right? So if you have a cough, if you have a canker sores mm. or whatever, you need to numb something in your mouth, you might use, it's over the counter Benzocaine. And they would put it in chocolates. Then you would eat one of these chocolates with a hot drink and you would essentially numb your mouth. What this would do is when you then sat down to eat a couple of minutes later, food would not taste as good so you'd eat less of it if they did clinical trials you will just eat less food and you'll lose weight you can i think buy them i mean not the aids brand uh which is long <laughs> gone but they, they sell things like slim mints today like you know they do basically the same thing ah. but it's kind of fallen out of favor as a uh, diet plan because it's, it's tricking yourself today what we try to do with diets is we actually try to get people healthy. eating the right kinds <laughs> yeah, of things yeah. right right rather than just yeah <laughs> not chicken um but and so this is a very unfortunate thing for <laughs> autoimmune deficiency syndrome to come along take this product that it had this name since 1937 and suddenly as you turn that perfectly normal, <laughs> totally inoffensive commercial into something incredibly offensive and or hilarious, depending on who you are. Um, Possibly both, yeah. For that to come yeah. along and do that, and that was just something unfortunate. But here is, here's the fail in all of this. It was made by a company called Jeffrey Martin Incorporated. They told Time Magazine in 1985, when Time was writing about this product with its unfortunate name, what they said was, the product has been named AIDS for more than 45 years. Let the disease change its name. Oh, they doubled down. They, they did. Like, they doubled are... down. Oh. They're like, we are not going to change our name. You can change the name of the disease. Oh, no. Take that, The The AIDS. company, yeah, the company was soon sold, and the new uh, CEO of the parent group, when asked, said... Obviously, with a name like AIDS, we'll have to do some remarketing. Yeah. <laughs> Following this up with, obviously, our product does not give anyone AIDS. <laughs> I just want to go on uh, no. the record. So this new uh, executive now realizes, okay, clearly we should you know, do something with the marketing and the naming of this product now. Now it's like 1987. Um, the, I believe it was the New York Times ends up talking to like a branding expert who suggested, she said, oh, they should change it. They should come up with a new name that also incorporates the old name. So she said they should call it Skinny from the Makers of AIDS. <laughs> <laughs> so they still didn't quite get it. Um, in, in, even though it was purchased by a new company, uh, they went over it and over it, and they finally, in 1988, oh introduced, they were like, we've renamed it, everybody. <laughs> After all this work, they've renamed it to, I am not making this up, Diet AIDS. Yes. <laughs> what? They get it. Because they get it. Because they get it. That's why. <laughs> This whole thing, it was yeah. just a slow motion train wreck of marketing. Like, somebody was like really digging in. No, this yeah, has been around it's... a long time. It was, it was it. a failure to uh... realize what was going to happen. And yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what it is? It's, uh, it, we may have talked about this in the show before, but it's the sunk cost fallacy. The idea that, oh, I, but I've spent so much money in this case, marketing and building this brand name since 1937. We've invested millions and millions of dollars into it. We can't just dump it all and start over again. It's a, it's it's a fallacy. Like, you can't just look at all the money you've thrown after right, something. Right. You have to make the right decision. <laughs> 
Uh, so, fellow listeners, uh, you'll be as impressed as I was when you find out that Karen this morning actually ran a marathon uh, before coming in to record the show. Thank yes. you. It was, yeah. a, it was a half marathon, but still, <laughs> I'm very proud of it. Oh, well, I'm only half impressed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm very achy. So I want to talk to you guys you know, in the vein of cheating about one of my favorite all-time cheating stories. Hmm. And, uh, you know, if you if you play enough trivia, if you go to enough pub quizzes, eventually you're going to be asked a question about Rosie Ruiz. Mm. Ro- Rosie Ruiz? Rosie Ruiz. All right. So I'm glad it sounds like maybe you haven't heard of her, so no, I no. can uh, enjoy a little bit of the story but here. Chris, I think Chris okay. seems yes. to be nodding appreciably. I have, I have, yeah. but- the topic of the show is cheating. So uh, let me just cut right to the chase here. And she may have been a cheater. So, you know, Karen, uh, in the world of marathons, the Boston Marathon is, oh, yeah. is, I mean, if not, it's one of the most, if not the most prestigious creme marathon. De la creme. Right, right. And, I mean, you had told me this a while ago. I mean, it's a big deal. You have to qualify. You oh, know, you yeah. can't just, I'm going to go sign oh, up and race this year. Right. Oh, okay. you, you have to have post a good enough time, right, to mm-hmm. get yeah, in. Yeah, you have to mm-hmm. have a, a time within your age range and your gender. There is a qualifying time. You have to make that or faster in order to even get. Uh, not even a spot, but just to enter the uh, race. If you're racing the Boston Marathon, you, you are a good runner. You know you know what you're doing. So in 1980, let's go back many years here in the Wayback Machine to 1980, uh, Rosie Ruiz crossed the finish line with the clock at 2 hours, 31 minutes, 56 seconds. Whoa. Yeah. Now that's now wait, a, Some context for those of us who are not Karen and don't run marathons. Yeah, so time. Karen's reaction should put that into context. Yeah, now this, yeah, just for a little that's bit more like context, marathon. That, that would have been the fastest time a woman had ever run at the Boston Marathon. Okay. Wow. Uh, okay. It, it would have been the third fastest time ever run by a woman anywhere in a marathon. Okay. So it's not a good time. That's a great time. Right from the start, people were a little suspicious of her time across the line. Why? Just because it was well, super fast? Well, no one had ever well, heard of her. Right. right. For one so thing, there was that. exactly. Like, no one ever heard of her. And a lot of these people know each other. You'll have frequent winners, you know, two or three years in a row sometimes. Or they're yeah. Olympians sometimes, too. Sure. There were other um, more obvious signs that perhaps something was amiss. Uh, she didn't really seem to be out of breath at all. Um, she, she wasn't even really sweating all that much, you know? Her shirt was really comparatively dry. People were sort of really eyeballing her, like, what is going on here? The second and third place women were like, no, we, she didn't pass us. We didn't see her. We don't, we don't know who she is. We did not see her on the course. And then on top of all of this, right? Now, as I say, you had to qualify to run the marathon. Um, so she had run in the New York Marathon earlier that year, which is also mm-hmm. a fairly big deal marathon. Mm-hmm. Uh, the time that she posted was 25 minutes slower. So to make an improvement of 25 minutes in six months is, is a big deal. Mm-hmm. So okay. nothing was adding up. People were really, really suspicious of Rosa uh-huh. Ruiz. But she was good enough to qualify. And that's the She's thing. She's still good. That's the thing. And so for a lot of people's minds, it's like, all right, well... How did she trim this time off her race? What was she doing? She must at least have some running skill, but what's right. you know what's her angle? So over the course of the next few days, th- there was also some other information that came forward that was really damning to Rosie Ruiz's case. There were a couple students, friends, who had come out to watch the race, and they said, oh, we saw her burst out of the crowd of spectators like half a mile from the finish and kind of just barge her way onto the race course. And at the time, they remember thinking, like, who is this lady? What is she yeah. doing? Mm-hmm. They didn't think much of it. And then when they saw, you know, later in the news reports, they're like, that's the lady we saw. Yeah. Rosie Ruiz, we saw her kind of just come out of the crowd half a mile from the finish. Mm-hmm. Oh. So it seems to be, I have to and say... this is what year, by the way? This was 1980. 1980. So no cell phone no camera. Cell phone. 
one's yeah. very few. No one's tweeting. Doing, crazy lady came out of the crowd right, at half you know, mile mark. There, there might not be a lot of of actual physical evidence. And before the times of you know smartphones and stuff, every every runner nowadays have a bib, mm. right? That has mm-hmm. their number, yeah. but also built into the bib, or actually they give you a little tag that you put on your shoe mm-hmm. as an RFID tra- oh, like okay. like tracker basically sure. for each personal runner. So right, as you're right. running through, say the five k split, mm-hmm. there's something built on the ground that will communicate yes. with your RFID mm-hmm. tag and then right. puts it in the right. system that was their split time. That RFID thing. Do you remember there was a um, a celebrity who gave their personal trainer like their, oh. like somebody's running with two Oh RFID. no. They're like, that hey, happens clock, yeah. clock my time for me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Unfortunately right. that happens. Some people will run with multiple bibs. <laughs> yeah, right. The time yeah. is really recording the time of the RFID tag crossing yeah. the finish no, line. Yeah. 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 That person. Um, so, but the, the most damaging uh, story that came out was uh, from a woman named Susan Morrow. And Susan Morrow was watching news reports uh, and she lives in New York. York, and she recognized Rosie Ruiz. She's like, I know this woman. I ran into her the day of the New York City Marathon. <gasps> so Susan Morrow was on her way to watch a friend run in the oh, marathon. She was that one? she was heading to the finish line, yeah. and she was taking the subway. On the subway, she sees a woman, you know, on the train wearing running gear and looking kind of down. She went over. She says she sat down next to her. They got to talking. Turns out this is Rosie Ruiz. And Rosie told Susan Morrow that she had dropped out of the race of the New York City Marathon. You know, a little bit before the halfway mark, she had hurt her ankle. But you know, we're going to the same place. Uh, uh, we're going to the finish line together. Oh Let's my gosh, she's together. taking the subway She took there. the subway to the finish. They took the train. They went to the finish line of the New York City Marathon. And together, they walked. And because Rosie Ruiz had her runner's gear on, they were getting waved through barricades. They were getting through without anybody really questioning. Mm-hmm. Because she looked like she, you know, she was limping along. She was an injured runner. They got to the finish line. And at that point, they separated. And Rosie Ruiz went over and declared, I'm an injured runner. Mm-hmm. They pulled her in. They recorded her time. And that was her registered time in the New York City Marathon. <sighs> Marathon. So she got a fraudulent time Mm -hmm. that she then used to qualify for the Boston Marathon six months later. So Susan Morrow came forward with her story. And to this day, Rosie Ruiz maintains that she ran the race. She she has not fessed up. So does she still hold the title as like the third? No, they stripped her time and they awarded, they moved all the prizes down to the Okay, so not like an asterisk. No asterisk. Yeah, it was, and she, she never really had any plausible story for how you know, she, her, her best story was, I was just feeling really energetic this morning when I got up. And it is because of Rosie Ruiz, Karen, that they started instituting measures like RFID tags. So when did they introduce RFIDs? Was it, did they have the technology like 1981? They started within just a couple of years. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. And it's so easy because it's like, you don't, have, no one has to really keep a time. It's all automatic. And then you can mm-hmm. go online and check your time right oh, when it Oh, yeah, happens. of course. Of course. It's all like, posted to the web today. I checked my yeah. time like a minute after I crossed the finish line because I was like, I don't know what time I have. And it's, oh, right there that makes on the sense. website. I didn't even think about cool. that, but of course they would have it. Yeah. So we're talking about fakes and decoys and bluffs. And so I'm going to tell you a, a crazy pants story I found about this guy who faked his own death. Oh, oh I love these. I yeah. love these. 
So the person is Lord Timothy Dexter, and he was born in Massachusetts in 1748. Whoa, that long ago. Yeah. And he was like kind of a self-made man. He was poor, but he was an author and he was a go-getter. And he wrote a book and it had tons of typos and <laughs> I mean typos. It had tons of punctuation and grammatical errors. So he had to give it away for free. And then it went into eight printings and he, he was kind of a jokester and um, people criticized him on the punctuation in the book. So when he reprinted it, he had a page in the back that was just full of commas and periods. <laughs> so, like, punctuation marks. <laughs> like that. What a jerk. That's good. I like that. <laughs> so Make your own. Yeah. yeah. He, he wrote on it, place it as you please. <laughs> like, so that's who we're dealing with. That's the guy that the story revolves around. So he did the oldest the oldest trick in the book. It comes up on sitcoms. It comes up in movies. It's so corny now, but maybe he invented it. He wanted to know what people thought of him. So he faked oh, his own death. No. And this is the 1700s. So it's yeah. not to like yeah. escape while well, I mean, you're oh, really in a jam. He just wanted to hear what people say about him when he's out of the room. Yeah. So he faked his own death. He, 3,000 people came to his funeral. <gasps> Now, what did and he do? How did he fake his own death? He just told people that he died. Like, <laughs> so I don't believe him. <laughs> like, he just hey, so like, I died. Oh. He, he was a self-styled lord, so he was like, Lord Timothy Dexter died. Oh, you know, he sent out like his own fake announcements. Yeah, basically. he did, and he tried to get as many people as he could to go to his funeral. Three thousand people showed up. <laughs> Huge. And then his wife was there, and she wasn't crying as hard as he thought she should be crying. Oh, oh, oh. oh he didn't tell his wife. No. Oh, oh my God. God. He wanted to know what she thought. Wow. Yeah, he was a piece of work. You're setting so. yourself up there for some really potentially embarrassing, hurtful <laughs> things. Know. Yeah. She wasn't really reacting the way he thought she should react when such a great person died. <laughs> so he came out, and he beat her at the funeral. <gasps> I imagine him like hiding in the back dressed like a little old lady or something <laughs> and then just ripping off a wig and I shouldn't Sorry. joke about it, but I mean it's he's attacking his wife at his own funeral. <laughs> I wish there were more first person accounts, but it was just like this wow. guy was crazy. <laughs> and you're right it is. I have I have absolutely seen that plot on sitcoms. Yeah, it's and such a yeah, trope. Oh, yeah. And I was like, was he the first? Well, I just you know, it's just such a simpler time. It was so much easier to fake your death back then. Yeah, right, exactly. You could just yeah. send out an announcement, oh, he's dead. <laughs> well, as our constant listeners know, I was out sick last week for the sleeping episode. However, this did not mean that I didn't do my research for the sleeping episode. <laughs> and it's the only reason far allowed be you it, back. <laughs> yeah, I definitely do not want to let this go to waste because when I thought about sleeping, I was like, okay, I want to answer a very important question. Do dogs dream? We always see it was it was recently like I was sitting at my computer, probably thinking about Good Job Brain, and I heard like yelps from the other room. You know, I heard I heard a little dog Ricky going like, and, which are noises that he doesn't make. You know, and I'm just like, oh my god, he's oh he's just dreaming. He's like on his side, his paws are kicking. Yeah, it's right, right. so funny. And that's what we say. We say, oh, you know, just imagine he's chasing something. Like, yeah, we say, oh yeah, he's chasing rabbits or like whatever. Dream right? hunting. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, but then again, it's like, well. Is that really happening or not? There actually is an answer, so let's go in. You know, typically when I research good job brain subjects, I'm like doing it with the utter dispassionate uh, attitude of a scientist. Like, okay, all right, I'm going to research something and I want to see if it's true or false. Or yeah, I'll see this, where the facts take yeah. This one I was really pulling for to be true. <laughs> yeah. I really, really wanted dogs to dream. So let's find out. 
This all starts, as all great experiments do, with rats running in a maze. So a researcher at MIT a few years ago measured the brain signals of rats as they were running around on a track. And then it measured the brain signals of rats with little, you know, tiny little electrodes as they slept that night and found that the signals that were coming out of the rat's brains during REM sleep, during the rapid eye movement portion of Mm -hmm. sleep where you Mm -hmm. dream, were basically identical to the signals that he was getting when they were running around in the track. They were so similar that he could essentially point the data and say, I'm pretty sure that at this point, the rat is dreaming about being in this particular part Hmm. of the track and whether or not the rat is moving or standing still. So at that point, the scientists who were looking at this were like, these rats are dreaming about running around in the maze. They're rehashing the day's activity because it's so close. It's so similar. Mm -hmm. So dogs' brains being much awesomer than rat brains. (laughs) That's a scientific term. You know, if the rats can do it, clearly we, we imagine that the dogs might. Okay? So if you want more proof than that, fine. There's a part of your brain stem, which is, oh, by the way, I'm going to go back into the brain, which is always really tricky for us on the show because I always screw something up. Um, as it turns out, the brain, kind of complicated. Um, so I apologize to any neuroscientists listening in and please leave comments on the website if I'm wrong. There's a part of the brain stem called the pons. Um, and the pons releases a chemical that not only does it put you into REM sleep, but it, it paralyzes you while you're sleeping. I know you guys talk mm-hmm, about sleep mm-hmm, paralysis, mm-hmm. right? You, you actually want to be paralyzed when you are sleeping. Because if you're not paralyzed while you're sleeping... You're just walking around doing weird stuff. You will will act out your... Exactly. Well, so the comedian that we like, Mike Birbiglia, right, has rapid eye movement behavior disorder. He doesn't get paralyzed when he goes to sleep. So he gets up and acts out his dreams, which might involve jumping out a window and almost killing himself. So if you want to know what your dog is dreaming about, you can just take the pawns out of your dog's brain. Now, they don't do this anymore. (laughs) But they did. But they They did. did. They took the pawns out of some brains of some dogs. (gasps) Guess what happened? They did stuff. They did stuff. The dog would go to sleep and then go into REM sleep and then just get up and, and start, start acting around. out all the mm. stuff they did wow. during the day. Just like taking out the inhibitor. If you had a hunting dog, the hunting dog would flush out imaginary birds out oh. of imaginary bushes. Um, oh. And and they, and they would go on point. You know how dogs would yeah, go on yeah, point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They would, they would do that in their sleep. 100%. <laughs> no question. Dogs are dreaming about activities that, that they stuff. are doing. Oh. Yeah. But don't take out parts of your dog's brain. Don't do no, that. No. Don't, don't no. do that. Don't. Yeah, I'm sure Ricky was happy to hear that was not on your agenda. I let him know that I was not about to do oh. that. Yeah. Dear dog, I will not <laughs> take parts of your brain out. Just Love to see what you were dreaming the, about. Yeah. Hey, Matt. Did you know that wombats poop cubes? Nope. Never heard that before. Did you know the unicorn is the national animal of Scotland, Ken? I didn't know, nor do I care. Neil, did you know that Liechtenstein is the only doubly landlocked country in Europe? Jeff, isn't that an American pop artist? Well, actually, it's both. If you want to learn things like that and more, join us each week on Triviality, a pub trivia-style game show podcast where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Listen in each week to answer general knowledge trivia alongside exciting guests from around the world. And we're here, too. Join us every Tuesday for new hour-long episodes of Triviality, plus tons of extra theme content on everything from The Office and Lord of the Rings to science and geography. And sometimes we even do sports. 
Find us on all your preferred podcast apps and take part in the fun of playing bar trivia without the need to wear pants. Real mature, Jeff. Forget it, Neil. It's triviality. All right, so listeners of the show, I think if you've listened to all the past episodes of this year, you might, for me, you might notice a theme that a lot of my segments revolve around. It's going to be either body excrement or uh, one of my favorite (laughs) things to talk about are animals, Mm -hmm. specifically nightmare animals, animals that do weird, crazy things and will haunt your dreams. So here are some of our most nightmarish animals that we that I've talked about <laughs> on the show. Sweet dreams. So there are a lot of species of hermit crabs. Some of the hermit crabs don't even need a shell, especially one particular species I'd like to talk about. And it's called the coconut crab. Oh, You might have heard of it. I remember Colin having a very negative uh, reaction (laughs) to a picture. This is a nightmare creature. You said, you saw a picture of this. You're like, I I would cramp my pants. (laughs) I would cramp my pants. They actually don't have a shell because what happens is their abdomens actually start growing harder. Mm. So actually, they don't need a shell for protection. Also, they're huge. They're the <laughs> largest land-living arthropod in the world. How big are they? They're like bigger than your head. Yeah. I saw a photo of one covering a trash can lid. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Can you imagine taking out your trash and you're like, oh my I'm God. I'm not touching that. Yeah. <laughs> in sci-fi. If I came out in the morning and they were like on my car, I would just sell the car. I mean, you know what? <laughs> the crabs have it now. Even, yeah. even yeah. after it left, you could never get back in the car. <laughs> yeah. You know, in video games or science fiction, you, you read about head crabs, right? Attaching your face yeah. and attacking your face. It looks like that. It oh, totally man. looks oh. like that. It's huge and and they do develop a tough exoskeleton so they don't have to carry a shell anymore and when they're smaller they would but they grow so big that they don't really they don't really have any predators anymore <laughs> yeah they're just kind of just walking scary. down the street they're like what um but you talk about the trash can colin they have amazing sense of smell these crabs and they eat almost like they eat a lot of things they eat you know fruit they actually do eat coconuts okay. so that's why they're called coconut crabs they smell trash and they feed on carrion oh, stuff sometimes uh... and so they would hang out in trash cans. They're like tropical raccoons. They, oh, they are. <laughs> uh, no thanks. Yeah. No thanks. Oh, oh man. Colin, we didn't tell you, but we have a coconut crab here today. He's backstage. He's been listening to the show. Let's He's been bring in him the out. green room this whole time. <laughs> so they do eat coconuts. They're so smart. They know how to basically prepare a coconut. Like a a coconut falls on the ground. They know how to strip away the husk with their claws. Uh And then they would (laughs) climb the coconut tree with coconut in its claw Drop the coconut so it would break. Mm. Yeah, isn't that crazy? That's amazing, and that's just adaptive behavior. They just know. Dude, that, they just totally I, know. I just wow. wait till they do that, and I run and steal the coconut. And <laughs> <laughs> like, Thanks for opening it, yeah. suckers. Super, that's the hardest crap. part. Yeah. Suckers. Sweet, sweet coconut. Yeah, you come out the next morning, and there's forty coconut crabs in your driveway. <laughs> uh, we hear you got something of ours. <laughs> dead, dead silence. Only the clicking of. One more last scary tidbit. The International Group for Historic Aircraft Recovery, known as TIGHAR, 
A great acronym. <laughs> this group has approximated the whereabouts of where Amelia Earhart could have crashed and mm-hmm. landed or, or ended up. They said that she probably most likely died on an inhabited tropical island in, in the Kiribati area. Some users wrote us and said that Kiribati is supposed to be pronounced Kiribati. Right. I, I think I after we talked about it on the show, someone said Kiribati or Kiribati. Or, yeah. So you know. I double checked. Uh, you can say it both on Kiribati slash Kiribati. Oh, okay. And Anyways, okay. they're guessing that Amelia Earhart probably ended up there. Huh. And um, one of the theories why they can't find her full remains is because coconut crabs probably no. ate her oh. bones I was, and yeah. her flesh. I mean, oh. I was so I was so like, much better off not knowing that. Uh, Tropical raccoons, man. Tropical they, they get in there. <laughs> Nightmare fuel for everybody. Wow, wow thanks. Yeah, cool. Wow. Coconut crabs. <laughs> All right, guys. It's time to dip into Karen's stash of nightmare animals. Oh, no. (laughs) I want to introduce you guys to the Bombardier Beetle. Oh. Okay. Okay. Have you heard of it? I think I've seen these on the Nature Channel before. Oh, okay. Now, the Bombardier Beetle is just for, like, size. It's tiny. It's like half an inch. One centimeter long, right? Mm -hmm. Kind of like a big ant. And they're found in most places in the world, probably more common in the southern half of the globe, but not Antarctica. This creature has one of the most unbelievable but awesome defense mechanism in the animal kingdom. And so what happens is when the bug is threatened, the beetle will, number one, make a loud popping sound. And number two, it will fire a noxious boiling hot liquid uh-huh. from its butt. Where does it boiling <laughs> hot get the boiling hot liquid? And it doesn't stop there. Their butt is like a gun turret. It can <laughs> rotate and swivel oh, it can in direction. any direction and has a wide range so if a predator is coming from the side or even in front of the bug. It can shoot it can, things in front of it? Yes. <laughs> It, between the legs. <laughs> wow. It's it's crazy. And it actually has a really good aim. Like, the accuracy is pretty good. And serving up boiling <laughs> spray. When I say boiling, it's near boiling. I, I, the temperature is near 100 degrees Celsius. My the goodness. boiling point of water, and we've we've come across you know lots of lots of animals out there, especially with insects and bugs that they will secrete some sort of liquid, right? You know, right. It's smelly or it's foamy or it's sticky, whatever. But this is <laughs> almost boiling hot. Okay, so the fluid itself is a mixture of two main things: hydroquinone and hydrogen peroxide. Mm-hmm. Okay. So okay. these fluids are are naturally occurring for the bug, and the fluids are stored separately in two different chambers in the beetle's body. It's like, like a little yeah. epoxy tube. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it is. It's like a reserve. So when the beetle is threatened, the muscles contract and causes both chambers to open. <gasps> oh! So then there's a third chamber, the mixing chamber, that these two liquids flow in. Now, when these two fluids come together, the reaction is super intense. Yeah. It's a super exothermic reaction. That's where the heat oh, that okay. hurts. Yeah. And you know like a baking zone of volcano kind yes. of kind of thing. Yeah. So the reaction gives off a buttload of energy. <laughs> if you will. <laughs> E.g. Quite literally. And and what happens is that the liquid A, because of exothermic, heats up mm. and then the pressure and gas builds up. 
and the whole thing just explodes out from the butt valve. Wow. And emitting a popping sound. That's, and the sound is part of the, the reaction as well. Oh, the reaction. It literally they, explodes out of its butt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it explodes inside its butt. And then, yeah. Fraction of a second. So yeah. I think just, this is where I think I had remember seeing it was on someone had done like a super high speed film study of this beetle. And that was all I knew is they were studying like how fast it, it releases. I, I had no idea that it was d- d- boiling hot and noxious. Fluid. There's videos of it, and you can see how hot it is because you see kind of like steam or wow. gas that that comes out as as the bug sprays. Does the bug Did die? No, it doesn't. Because <laughs> what happens is the bug is structured so that the the chambers where all these fluids are they're padded uh, or they're lined insulated. with something. Yeah, <laughs> so, so their organs are are safe from. It's got a fire yeah, boiling hot. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so disappointed. Why? In the human. But, <laughs> I know we evolved all this stuff, but we don't have multi-directional explosive butts. How, how many times on this show have we times? talked about seriously awesome things that come out from animal butts? Right. Wow. Sounds kind of like a monster. No, he sounds great. Everybody, shush! William Shatner has something to say. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. What do you do when the woman you love dies? Well, of course, you dig her up and you live with her. Aww. The show examines weird things. There are plenty of old photographs from this time period of children out in the streets playing in and among the dead horse carcasses. Oh, I miss those days. Things used to be so much simpler. Cat and Jethro. Then there's the urine wheel, which sounds like a really bad game show. Thing done weird things. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. That is really mysterious. Join Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. The Webby Award-winning Box of Oddities podcast from Airwave Media. Well, perhaps unintentionally, another theme that came along this year was backward audio. I, we, it was not coordinated or planned. No, but, it was uh, just a hit. Yeah, if you thought this was the year of the rooster, uh, you're wrong. Uh, I don't think it's the year of the rooster anyway, so you're doubly wrong, uh, because this was the year of backward audio for Good Job Brain. So uh, one of my favorite Beatles songs uh, is Rain. You guys know the song Rain? Mm. Um, no. It was a single. It was an advanced single off of Revolver. So it came out in 1966. And, uh, you know, this was a period in time when the Beatles were feeling particularly experimental with a lot of their music. <laughs> and John Lennon in particular, out of the Beatles, was really interested in just new, funky ways of recording. And one of the claims to fame for Rain, the song, is that it is considered generally one of the first rock songs to use backmasking. And do you guys know what backmasking is? Recording yeah, something yeah. and then playing it backwards? Yeah, more or less. But yeah, oh. it's essentially recording something and then adding it onto a track backward so that when oh. you play the track, oh, so it's like, like, like yeah. the Missy Elliott song. Yeah. Exactly. That's a, yeah. that's a very well-known example is the Missy Elliott song. So John Lennon, the story goes by, by his own telling, um, it was at the end of a day, he was listening to some of the recording sessions and he put the loop from Rain in and either accidentally or maybe semi on purpose played it backwards and was just really enthralled with the way it sounded he's like mm-hmm. this is just great it's funky it's something new uh, so let me just play a little snippet of the song here for you so this is uh, the last few seconds of Rain 
Interesting. It sounds like they're singing in English. Doesn't sound backwards. Right, right. It just sounds weird, but it doesn't sound like... No, I've gone ahead and reversed it, by which I mean played it forward. Would you guys like to hear that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So that was pretty much it, kind of just a little throwaway fun effect, but is considered the first example of a rock song huh. putting back masking I've it. I've heard of this trick before, but I didn't know that it was this song was the first one. People, you know, certainly uh, avant-garde artists had sort of experimented with music and things, but this is sort of the first pop Mainstream, rock song. Yeah. Right. So flash forward a couple years, and uh, if you're a Beatles fan or a trivia fan, you may be aware of the Paul is Dead conspiracy theory, which was an <laughs> idea that got in the heads of some fans that Paul McCartney had been killed in a car accident yes. and was replaced by a fake Paul, an mm. imposter yeah. Paul. And more specifically, the theory was that the Beatles were dropping hints about this in their songs. Mm. And, so, and album yeah, artwork album covers, and yeah. Yeah, right, everywhere. Right, right, right. The fact that uh, Paul is not wearing shoes walking across the street on the that cover of Abbey this. Road. Right, or that he's turned, he's the only one turned away from you on Sgt. Peppers and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Right. And one of the really strong pieces of evidence that people latched onto is that off of Revolution 9, you can hear back masking versions of Turn Me On Dead Man, mm. Turn Me On Dead Man, which is supposed to be John Lennon's, you know, sort of admission to the listeners that Paul is dead. <laughs> and uh, you can go find the sample, and I think it's a great example of if you want to hear it, you oh, can yeah. hear, You'll hear it. Right. Yeah. And the Beatles, of course, Paul was not dead. They denied this. So this was sort of one of the first examples, though, of people starting to look for sort of nefarious messaging Indeed. in records. Satanic mm-hmm. messages. Satanic messaging. So that that's what I would like to talk to you guys about. Oh, is yay. The, I don't know if... <laughs> yay, satanic messages. Fad isn't even the right word, but the, the mania that... Hysteria. Swept Amer- hysteria, thank you. The hysteria over hidden satanic messages that swept America in the late 70s and early 80s. This is, you know, moving into the late 70s now, this was when people started really getting interested in subliminal advertising, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and particularly there was a guy named Brian Key, and he's the guy you've probably seen who was convinced that the word sex appeared in ads everywhere. Mm. You know, his idea is that if you put the word sex hidden in an ad for soda or crackers, that people will form a subliminal association and they'll want to buy that brand. No one legitimately really believes this who's actually studied it. They've not been able to show any uh, connection between subliminal messaging, whether it is or isn't there. But it is a good example of you see what you want to see. In the 70s, there were a lot of conservative Christian groups and conservative parents groups that were starting to get concerned of hidden evil messages in rock music. And in particular, there was a DJ named Michael Mills, and he went on a crusade to convince people that Stairway to Heaven, okay, the yes, famous classic. Led Zeppelin classic sure. song, this was his sort of his uh, his token great example of hidden satanic messages, uh-huh. that Stairway to Heaven, if you played it backwards, there was a, a patch that said, here's to my sweet Satan. And let me play this for you guys very, <laughs> very quickly. And here's the segment uh, in question played forward. Yes, Oh, that's my favorite part of the song. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, perfectly normal, right? All right, so here's that segment reversed. (laughs) 
so in his ears, in his ears, it is as clear as day that well, they are singing "Here's to My Sweet Satan." Sure, and when you combine it with what the words are that it's intended to be, you will hear that because of the power of suggestion of the words being there. Right, right. It's like by chance. I don't know. Well, yeah. so so uh, Michael Mills and there was another big figure. There's Pastor Gary Greenwald of California, and they basically took up the torch for spreading the message that rock music, wow. this insidious message, is getting inside our children's heads. Mm-hmm. And they would go on tours and speaking tours. Uh, Pastor Greenwald would hold record burnings. You know, you have just like a mass wow. record burning and come out and just trash those evil satanic uh, records. This this wasn't just sort of a fringe belief. I mean, this really bubbled up. It's bad. I wish it were true because it would be awesome to embed secret codes in music. Like if you yeah. could say words forwards and backwards and they had different meanings, but it's not <laughs> true. It's completely no. impossible to actually do that. I right. wish, I mean, completely. If, if we could design language again, maybe we would have done that where you could say, say whatever, one thing yeah. backwards and would say one thing forwards. It's like yeah. an auditory That's palindrome. Feedback, no, 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 no. No one had really done any serious research on the two things of like, one – can your brain actually understand something that's being said backward? Right. And then, and then two, if your brain does understand it, can it influence behavior? Right, right, exactly. In the 1980s, they undertook an actual study of this phenomenon. Can we play backward encoded messages for people and are they intelligible? And what they found is no. It's, they, they, it is, they did find that it's just a very human phenomenon to want to make things intelligible. And as you say, you can kind to hear some words in there. What they also found, though, is that people uh, would only hear the supposed satanic messages if they were primed ahead of time. Oh, they would okay. only hear them if they said, all right, we want you to listen and see if you can hear this. But basically, it was no better than chance otherwise if they heard mm-hmm. anything. Yep. And then secondarily, they found no influence of hearing these messages on your actual behavior. Here's where it gets just crazy for me. Now, I want to remind you, all right, this is, this is 1980s, okay? The state legislature of California passed a bill that what? stated distributing material that contains backward messages without public notice is an invasion of privacy no. and Way. opened up the distributor to lawsuits. This is the state of California legislature oh passed goodness. this bill. So I know Prince has a song, Darling Nikki, and at the end of it, there's a section he's singing backwards. Did they have to put out a notice saying that there's backwards I music? I guess he would have been arrested in California. <laughs> well, I'm not sure. Like, but by all the research I can do, it seems that there were actually no teeth to any of these various mm-hmm. pieces of legislation. But, you know, I mean, like a lot of politicians, you want to grandstand and pass them. But still, the state of Arkansas, alright, this is this one This one goes even further. In Arkansas, they passed a bill, and now this is verbatim. They had to place stickers on records and tapes that say warning, this record contains backward masking, which may be perceptible at a subliminal level when the record is played forward. That makes me want to buy it. <laughs> yeah, I think like a lot of things, like if it, all you're going to do is just, yeah, if you make something seem forbidden, kids are going to want to have it more. Yeah. Uh, in the one like happy little twist to this story, again, so this was passed by the Arkansas uh, legislature. It went to the governor's desk for approval. And it was vetoed and sent back by Governor Bill Clinton. Oh, wow. 
Yes, yeah. in a moment of clarity. So uh, thank you, Bill, at, at a 30-year remove. You know what's funny is Gore's wife was responsible for... Yes, yes the, that's right. The, the tipper sticker. The Parents Resource Music Council, mm-hmm. which started in 1985 and was very, very heavily born out of this this hysteria like they came into being and one of their first goals was seeing are there really hidden satanic messages in our uh, in our rock music and yeah. people are bored you know oh. people are bored and maybe a little uh, they want to help you protect yeah. you it died down for a bit they said one of the reasons that the the hysteria died down was because as people moved away from records into cds it wasn't as easy to play to things play backward yeah. <laughs> and there are people out there who still really really believe that the church of satan is actively uh working with rock bands to put their messages in their songs i wonder how much that sponsorship is yeah no yeah no <laughs> <laughs> been approached yeah for backwards. <laughs> satan <laughs> yeah, in the pocket of I big Satan. <laughs> so mm-hmm. the moral of the story is you hear what you want to hear. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Are there any words or phrases that are auditory palindromes mm. where it's not that they're spelled the same way, you know, forwards and backwards? It's that when you say it, it sounds the same forward and oh. backwards. Right, right. I, I found some. Oh, cool. Oh, great. So each one of you guys including me, have a piece of paper with a weird phrase on it. I want you to say it normally, and I'm going to play it backwards to see if it really does oh, work. Oh, okay, okay. okay. All right. Well, Dana, since you're a fan of Twilight. <laughs> oh, thanks for calling me out. I gave you the phrase... New moon. Okay, let's play it backwards to see if it actually oh. works. New moon. Whoa. No, that's where the devil lives. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> wow, I'm a little scared right now. That's but a beautiful language. Yeah. Try it again. K- kinda. New moon. <laughs> 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 I like fake backwards. <laughs> I kept doing that the last episode. I'm like, it's surprisingly uh, easy to do. <laughs> and then Colin, I gave you a phrase: ominous cinema. All right, let's play it backwards. Ominous cinema. Oh! That was scary. That was really close. That was close. All right, and I have work crew. Here it is backwards. Oh, oh, no. No. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Ominous Cinema is the winner. I wonder yeah. if it's because it was longer, maybe? Like, both of your guys were two syllables? Where did you find those? Or so what? I was just scouring the internet looking for good ones. Yeah. Oh, cool. Well, anyways, so my music round, uh, prepare yourself. I pick some of oh, no. the biggest hits <laughs> uh-huh. from oldies to even hits today. Okay. okay. Big hits, and I've reversed it. Oh, so okay. I'm going to play it backwards, and I want you guys to guess what song. Oh, Buzz fun. in okay. and All tell right. me who is the artist and what song. Here are some tips that I've learned okay. while I was editing. The tone of the artist kind of remains the same, okay. so that's a good clue if you can figure out the voice, even uh, though okay. it's, they're speaking backwards gibberish. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is, like, the bass line or the drum oh, line sounds kind of familiar, because they're always in repetition, right, so right. you can get a feel of it. So those are okay. my two okay. tips. Cool. And, well, okay. we'll see. We'll see how, how this goes. All right. Here we go. Number one. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> 
Dana. Oh, it's Carly Rae Jepsen, Call Me Maybe? Yes, yeah. Call Me Maybe. You can yeah. kind of hear yeah, it. Yeah, that was really weird. Totally. Just the, the, as yeah. you said, it was like it was the beat and the quality of her voice. Mm-hmm. Okay, number two. Queen and David Bowie under pressure. Yes. yes. That's great. Yeah. Especially the end there. Wow. wow. Man, he, Freddie Mercury, good. forward, backward. Yeah. That guy can sing. It's good. Yeah. yeah. All right, number three. <laughs> That little ending is uh, definitely the trick. Oh, Sugar Pie Honey Bunch. Yes. Or I, I Can't Help Myself. Yeah. I Can't Help. Uh, by... I always is it forget. The temptations? It's, a, not it's not the, the temptations. temptations. Ah. You're not tempted by the sugar. <laughs> I, but you Four are... Four tops? Yeah. Four tops. Yeah. All right. Next one. Dana Journey Don't Stop Believing. Yes And they must have had An auditory palindrome in there Because the on and on part Yep absolutely It sounded just like It did Alright next one French. Data. That was gin and juice. Yes. Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg. <laughs> that, wow. That was good. That was like French Snoop. And then I really liked I liked that a lot. Music yeah. backwards is good. And lastly. <laughs> Dana. It's Robin Thicke, Blurred Lines. Oh, yes. I, I was like, oh, who sings it? I, very good. Blurred Lines by Robin Thicke. Good. Well, that was very fun. I thought cool. Fun. That was fun. Together. That was fun. Good job. And now we know there are auditory palindromes. You just have to yeah. try them out. But ominous cinema. On and on and on and on. On and on and on and on and on. Well, that was a good stroll down on memory lane. And thank you guys for joining me. And thank you guys, listeners, for uh, uh, listening in to this episode, to last week's episode, the weeks before, just throughout the year. Uh, we really appreciate it. You know, there's so many moments in my everyday life that I'm always reminded by something we talked about on the show. Oh, sure. Yeah. When I was running... You know, half marathons, I always mm-hmm. think about Rosie Ruiz, uh, you know, <laughs> right. cheating. And I, sometimes I'd be like, oh, I can just kind of be awesome yeah. <laughs> and cut a little bit, but mm-hmm. I can't. Mm-hmm. Um, well, hopefully you have those moments too, listeners. Reminded how cool this world is and how interesting yeah. and weird it is. And since this is our final episode for 2013, we would like to say that we will see you all in the new year. Yeah. The future. 
And you can find us on iTunes, on Stitcher, on SoundCloud, and also on our website, goodjobbrain.com. And that's our show. See you guys 2014. Bye. Bye. Happy New Year. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.